Well, today I wanted to talk to you uh, about the great reset, Yahweh bringing his people out of Exodus. Um, first off, I would like to say I appreciate the opportunity to speak today and uh, the opportunity to be here. It's a blessing. My name is Josh. I just want to refresh some of the people uh, from Tennessee, what my name is over there. Make sure them guys are paying attention. It's good to see you guys. Welcome back. Um, so I thought, you know, today, being the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's a great opportunity to, uh, to go through Exodus and go through the story of Unleavened Bread. It's, um, to me, it's a story of Yahweh's great redemption, of his bringing his people out of Egypt with his strong right hand. And it's a, it's a story, I think, that unfolds on a lot of different levels, different layers to it. Uh, we have the Passover lamb being Yahshua. We have uh, unleavened bread. Uh, the idea that we are to be spiritually without uh, sin, without leavening in our lives, right? Leavening, as we all know, is, uh, equates to spiritual sin. It's a time where we can actually look at our lives, look back to what we're doing and how we're uh, going about our daily interactions, our lives, and see if there's something that we need to alter or change. And I want to start off with chapter 10 of Exodus, and we're just going to go through 10, 11, and 12, and we'll stop there. Um, I don't want to read the whole, whole story just for the sake of time, but I think we, we, understand, um, we understand where we're at. You know, we're here in Egypt, and Egypt is this uh, place that believes in polytheism, right? The idea of there's multiple gods. There's a, a sun god and a water god and this god and that god, and they're all false gods. But... That the Egyptians worshipped all these gods, and, and even Pharaoh himself was considered to be a god. Uh, he was thought of, uh, the legend was that he was the son of the sun god, Ra. So, the story is going to, over time, just take out one by one, take out all of these false gods, and Yahweh will completely destroy them. But for the sake of time, like I said, I don't want to just uh, read all of the plagues. We're going to read basically the last three and then go into the Israelites actually coming out of Egypt and just see what we can get out of this story. I know we're all extremely familiar with it, but if you're like me, the key to learning uh, is just repetition. And, you know, we all hit this at different times. So some person may, may find this part of it interesting. Uh, or some person might find that part of it interesting. Hopefully we'll, we'll learn something and that this will glorify Yahweh as we go through here. So let's start off in chapter 10 of Exodus. Yahweh said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials, so that I may, per so that I may perform these signs of mine among them, that you may tell your children's grandchildren, 
how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them, and that you may know that I am Yahweh. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, This is what Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, says. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts into your country tomorrow. They will cover the face of the ground so that it cannot be seen. They will devour what little you have left after the hell, including every tree that is growing in your fields. They will fill your houses and those of all your officials and all the Egyptians, something neither your parents nor your ancestors have ever seen from the day they settled in this land till now. Then Moses turned and left Pharaoh. Pharaoh's officials said to him, How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship Yahweh, their Elohim. Do you not realize that Egypt is ruined? You know, it says, how long will you refuse to humble yourselves before me? I think this is, uh, the locusts were actually plague number seven, I believe. Uh, seven or eight. And, you know, it reminds me, I think about this time uh, here in Texas, sometimes we'll, we'll get crickets that just pile up in our doorways and, and around our buildings and on our sidewalks, and you're stepping on them, and you're, you're, uh, it, it stinks. There's a bunch of them. Nothing like this where they cover the entire ground, right, where they make the actual ground itself dark. Um, but it is a nuisance, right? It stinks. It's a nuisance. They're eating everything. And, you know, this is, this is actually going beyond a, a nuisance here in Exodus where it's taking out their livelihoods. It's taking out their food, what they make their clothing out of. And we see that it says, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Um, Pharaoh had a real problem with this. And I say that because I think it's relevant that sometimes I have a real problem with that too. And maybe you can relate in that we all have to humble ourselves before Yahweh and understand that he is the creator of the universe in order for us to be brought out of that area of our life that we may be struggling in. One by one, Yahweh is destroying and just wiping out all these, these false gods. Let's continue on with our reading in verse 8. Then Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. Go worship Yahweh, your Elohim, he said, but tell me who will be going. So Pharaoh's curious about who's going to be going with, with him. Moses answered, we will go with our young and our old with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds because we are to celebrate a festival to Yahweh. Pharaoh said, Yahweh be with you if I let you go along with your women and children. Clearly you are bent on evil. No, have only the men go and worship Yahweh since that's what you've been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. I'll stop there and just 
One of the things that I notice about this scripture is uh, Pharaoh is asking about who are you taking with you? Who are you going to take with you when you go out? And he says, well, we're going to take out everyone. We're all headed out. We're all leaving. And Pharaoh says, "Uh uh-uh, no, no way. You know, I like the way it says everybody's going out. There's no man, no woman, no animal. Nobody in the family is going to be left behind. Because it kind of strikes a chord with me. Um, I think it's real easy for us to, as we go through, you know, Wendell talked about sometimes the noise in our lives. We get so busy with all the different distractions with what we got going on that it's difficult to to notice other people around us, even in our own family. Uh, I think spiritually, you know, we all um, are in different places at different times, right? We have to be, as the leader of our family, we have to make sure that we're very cognizant that everybody is on the same is on a spiritual walk out of Egypt, and that we're not leaving somebody behind in Egypt. That we have that attitude that we're taking everyone with us. The men, the women, the family pet, everybody's coming on this journey, and we have a plan and a mission on a way to get out. You know, it, I guess with my own family, I, I see it sometimes, especially with. Uh, my children in their teenage years, as they start to go through that, there's a lot of places in Egypt that they can get uh, distracted, right? A lot of places, and that's not just for my kids, that's for me, that's for everyone in my family. But there's, there's places along the way where maybe you're not as spiritually with it as you should be. Danny talk, talked about that uh, yesterday. Uh, there's places that, you know, we can go to that will enslave us in some form of sin. Uh, and we have to be mindful of that as we're, as we're going through our lives, that all the people in our lives are coming with us and coming out, that we're spiritually walking our children through, uh, through this walk and into salvation with Yahshua and making sure that we're guiding them along the way and talking to them about this stuff. So I like the idea uh, that Moses said, we're all going out. There ain't no, no man or woman's going to be left behind. Yahweh said to Moses, stretch out your hand over Egypt so the locusts swarm over the land and devour everything growing in the field, everything left by the hail. So Moses stretched out his staff over Egypt, and Yahweh made an east wind blow across the land all that day and all that night. By morning, the wind had brought the locusts. They invaded all Egypt and settled down in every area of the country in great numbers. Never before had there been such a plague of locusts, nor will there ever be again. They covered all the ground until it was black. They devoured all that was left after the hail. Everything growing in the fields and the fruit on the trees, nothing green remained on tree or plant in all the land of Egypt. Think about 
the sight that you're seeing, uh, you know, it reminds me maybe of it like a Texas winter. There's, there's not very many redeeming qualities of a Texas winter. If you go north, you have this beautiful white snow, but here in Texas, you just have dead trees and a lot of wind. So here, all the plants are just stripped bare. Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against Yahweh your God and against you. Now forgive my sin once more and pray to Yahweh. Pray to Yahweh your Elohim to take this deadly plague away from me. Moses then left Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh. And Yahweh changed the wind to a very strong west wind, which caught up the locusts and carried them into the Red Sea. Not a locust was left anywhere in Egypt. But Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go. There's a point that I've heard uh, Chuck and Ferris and uh, even Dennis Prager make the same point. And that is that, you know, some people get concerned with, uh, with where it says that Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart. They ask the question, well, did Yahweh, did Yahweh take away the free will of Pharaoh? To that, I would say no. Um, I think that word is strengthen Yahweh's heart or strengthen Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh was always able to do whatever Pharaoh wanted to do. The problem was that what Pharaoh wanted to do was his will and not Yahweh's will. So Pharaoh or Yahweh strengthened Pharaoh's heart so that he wasn't uh, acting under duress. Uh, that he wasn't acting out of fear, if that makes sense. He was, he was doing exactly, he was able to do exactly what he wanted to do. I hope that's clear because it's, it's important to understand that at any time during the story, Pharaoh could have taken a different path. And we have to draw similarities to that. A lot of times we find ourselves in the same place as Pharaoh finds himself, in the place where our heart is hardened, Right? in a place where we don't really want to be humble, in a place where we actually want to do what we want to do and not what Yahweh wants us to do. So how do you get out of that place and move forward? Then Yahweh said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. Yeah, it's pretty dark if you can feel it. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky and, to and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Then Moses summoned, I'm sorry, then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, go worship Yahweh. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. Then Moses said, you must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to Yahweh, our Elohim. Our livestock, too, must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping Yahweh, our Elohim, and until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship Yahweh. But Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. You know, the, 
there had to be something, something else to, to have darkness for three days that was so dark, you know, you couldn't see your neighbor, you couldn't do anything. But then over here, way over here, in this land of Goshen, remember that's where the Israelites lived, I've always thought that the land of Goshen sounded like a very peaceful place to live, you know, very appropriately named Goshen. Don't seem like anything real bad's going to happen in Goshen, you know. Uh, there's all this light. And, you know, the, the story of, of Passover and bringing and Yahweh taking his people, his nation, and forming a nation and taking them out of Egypt is a story of metaphors on top of metaphors, right? And he takes them out of the, the dark place and puts them in the light. Pharaoh has still got his heart set on doing whatever Pharaoh wants to do. And he's still trying to negotiate, right? He's, he's giving in on, okay, take the women with you, but leave the animals. He's still trying to negotiate. Yahweh doesn't negotiate with idolaters. Yahweh has his plan and we have to get on board with his plan. We don't get to negotiate what the plan is. Chapter 11. Now Yahweh had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. Yahweh made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. You know, the, the Egyptian uh, officials had seen time after time after time all these, these uh, false idols and these false gods that they'd been worshiping. You know, I, I think we put up a list of, yeah, there's the list. It's not a complete list. I got... I only had so much room on the PowerPoint to make all the spacing. I'm not very good at PowerPoint, so it's not a complete list, but there's like seven of them on there, and that they all correlate with one of the gods, uh, or one of the plagues, I'm sorry. All these false gods, this polytheistic uh, place called e Egypt. But they were all, they had all been impressed with the power of Yahweh. As they go through and they see time after time, they're, they understood how their tricks worked and, and what they did to make that happen. But they started to, to understand that Yahweh was impressive. Yahweh was the real Elohim, the real mighty one, the real God. And they were very impressed with uh, Moses. Let's continue on, verse 4. So Moses said, this is what Yahweh says, about midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog, a dog will bark at any person or animal, then you will know that Yahweh makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. 
All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. Yahweh had said to Moses, Pharaoh, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart. He would not let the Israelites go out of his country. Yahweh makes a distinction between Israel and Egypt. You know, I think that distinction is life and death. There was, in Egypt, there was so much polytheism, so much uh, false god worship, and and they seemed to be... uh, preoccupied with death you know they would build these massive pyramids and they were just gigantic tombs and Yahweh's distinguishing between Israel and Egypt uh, makes a distinction between them Israel's always been preoccupied with life and so we continue chapter 12 Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be a year old males without defect. You may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lamb. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some of it is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is Yahweh's Passover. In... uh, chapter 12 and verse 4 right here it says it says if any household is too small they must share a lamb with one of their nearest neighbors you know i think uh that this is a, a scripture that shows some of yahweh's compassion on his people you know in the midst of this big corporate uh exodus out of egypt the distinction between the israelites and the egyptians and, and this whole Ten plagues, Yahweh is still conscious of us on a personal level. Uh, you know, when I think about the story, I, I feel like there's, at this point, after the uh, nine other plagues, all the hail, the locusts, there's not much to eat, and what little is left is probably sitting over here in the land of Goshen, okay, with all. And so, Yahweh, I think, is probably conscious of the resources and the scarcity of the resources at this point. And so he says, hey, you, if you can share a lamb, share a lamb with your neighbors. 
Uh, and I think that speaks to Yahweh's mercy and his, his, uh, his power to provide, but also to have compassion on his people at a very personal level. Something else that I, I, I noticed is, or I thought of as I was reading through this, is that on the 10th day of the month, what's supposed to happen? You're supposed to go pick out that lamb. And, you know, I, I wonder about that. You know, where's the, where's the lamb at? How big is Goshen? It seems like to me you'd probably be able to just get up in a day and go out and pick out the lamb and bring it back in. But Yahweh says, hey, go do it on the 10th day. And I wonder why that is, you know. And, and maybe one of the reasons that he tells us to get, get it on the 10th day is that we need to mentally start preparing ourselves. I think uh, for me it's real easy to procrastinate things, procrastinate decisions. And I think Yahweh may understand that about his people, his, that we have human nature, and sometimes we put off today what we can do tomorrow. And maybe he was conscious of that and, and was just prepping us. Hey, think. We have to be mentally prepared. You know, it's one thing to put off what we're going to pick for supper tonight. You know, you might want to put that decision off for a while. You don't really, you're kind of full. You don't really know what you're going to, what you're in the mood for. So you procrastinate that decision. But the decision of whether or not you're going to partake in salvation is a decision that we really can't put off. And so we have to, we have to prepare ourselves. You know, I was, as I was reading through there, I also thought about this. Uh, and I'll share it with you. I don't know if it's of any value, but I'll share it with you. You know, you go and you get the lamb. And as I'm thinking through it, you know, I don't know if what I'm thinking is actually right. So take it with a grain of salt. But going through it, it seemed like the lamb was over there somewhere. And they get the lamb and they come back. Uh and they're slaves, right? They're literally slaves where they're making the bricks. They're in physical labor. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on um, that is being forced upon the Israelites. And so I imagine their houses are pretty small, you know, pretty small homes that they're living in. And you got a little bitty yard. And then they take this lamb and they bring it up there to the front porch, maybe. They've got it sitting there for the four days. And then there's, you know, people... Maybe it's the Egyptians walking by, because, I mean, it's pretty dark over in Egypt right about now, so you might as well go visit Goshen and see what's going on, you know? So they walk over to Goshen, and they're looking around, and there's the lamb. That has to be a little odd that all these lambs are sitting on everybody's front porch, you know? And so there's, there's a conversation that happens. And I think... I can relate to this, uh, especially for us, right? There can be some super awkward conversations where, you know, like last week we were supposed to have the high day on Saturday, and then we moved it a day to Sunday because we didn't see the new need. Well, if you have or had an employer 
right? Where you, you have this employer and you're trying to explain to him why that you need off on Thursday. And then a few days later, you come back and you tell him, hey, actually, forget that Thursday thing. I need to be off on Friday. And he will, <laughs> there's an awkward conversation that goes on because he's going to say, well, what happened to Thursday? And you tell him, well, there's this, so there's a moon, and it's new, okay? And you're going to start talking to him about that, and you're going to find out that he don't understand why you can't look at the calendar and see when the 14th and the 15th is. And, uh, you know, there's going to be an awkward conversation. And I guess what I'm trying to get at is that we have an opportunity even, and usually I will just try to steer clear of the awkward conversation, you know? I don't really like awkward conversations. They're not that fun. But in that awkward conversation about why you have the little lamb up there, I wonder how many people, how many Egyptians also were saved in that, out of an awkward conversation. Maybe somebody's looking They've seen all these other nine signs that have happened. They know they don't have the answer. Maybe you got the answer. So they're listening. And so you wonder what happens in, inside of an awkward conversation, what can happen. Maybe Yahweh is using that awkward conversation. In verse 12 it says, On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. Egypt, I am Yahweh. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to Yahweh, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it, from the first day through the seventh must be cut off. Must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and another one on the seventh day. Do no work at all on these days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. So now they're to put the blood on the lintel. You know, the Israelite people had up until this point, been pretty passive. They've been pretty much, you know, everything's kind of Moses and Aaron are going talking to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's talking to them, Yahweh's talking to Moses. There's a lot of conversations being had, but Israelites are really not that involved, it seems like. Uh, Moses may be talking to the elders, but um, they haven't been asked to do anything. And at this point, they're asked to participate to make a decision. You know, at some point, every one of us is going to be asked to make a decision to choose life or death, right? That is the ultimate decision. That's the decision that we all have. That's the decision that Pharaoh is going to have here in a little bit. Let's continue on in verse 17. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. Because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. In the first month, you were to eat bread made without yeast from the evening of the 14th day until the evening of the 21st day. 
For seven days, no yeast is to be found in your houses. And anyone, whether foreigner or native-born, who eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. You know, there's, there's a lot um, that goes into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And there's a lot of sim- symbolism that goes along with the Feast of Unleavened Bread, right? Uh, obviously, we understand that unleavened bread represent, or leavened bread, I should say it the other way, represents sin. And unleavened bread uh, represents righteousness. In Matthew 26, 26, Yahshua talks about uh, he broke bread, and after giving thanks, he uh, said, take, this is my body. We are the body of Yahshua, and we're supposed to be on a walk like him. We are supposed to be trying to attain righteousness, and so we are supposed to be unleavened. And so we go through uh, every year this physical ritual of walking into our closets and pulling out the flour and the leavening and looking through it and and trying to get get out all the yeast, right? And so right here at the first of the year, uh, so this is the first biblical month, this is a good time for all of us to take a step back and reflect on what part of the yeast, this, the stuff inside us that we need to take out, right? Metaphorically speaking, we need to really look at ourselves and think about how we can better uh, glorify Yahweh in our daily walk. You know, sometimes uh, as we're taking out all that stuff out of the, the pantry, I, my wife does it in our home, and it's kind of a tedious process because you're always losing. There's something somewhere. Your kid has like a stash of cookies kid out in his room somewhere, and you got to go find those and I've got three stashes in my room somewhere and trying to hide them. But there's, there's, it's a little bit of, of, you know, a treasure hunt, if you will. And then you read the back of the box and there's words that you don't understand what that means or what it says. And they're like, I don't know, what are they, what are they like? Amino triglyceride oxides or something, you know, that you're trying to figure out that there's like, and there's usually a Proverbs 31 woman that has passed down the ancient manuscript, you know, of, oh, that word actually means leavening or, or it's yeast or whatever. Uh, and you go and you check them off and, and see if, does this package have yeast in it? But it, it actually does help you to understand that we're supposed to the symbolism of actually going and, and trying to work through, is there an issue that I need to look into? Do I have a problem? Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some, some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the doorpost. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When Yahweh goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe, and he will pass over that doorway. 
and will not per- permit the destroyers to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and for your descendants. When you enter the land that Yahweh will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to Yahweh, who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what Yahweh commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, Yahweh struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who sat in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. It says, when the children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to Yahweh who passed over the house of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. During the Civil War, uh, many years ago, it was fought over slavery. And hundreds of thousands of men lost their lives during the Civil War. This is the judgment of a nation, the wickedness of slavery holding someone captive. Yahweh had come to Pharaoh multiple times, ten, and asked him over and over and over, let my people go, let my people go. He didn't start all the plagues with plague number ten on number one, right? He gave an opportunity to think and to contemplate and to repent. This was the most prosperous nation of the time, the Egyptians. They had doctors, they had uh, all sorts of highly advanced uh, sciences and discoveries that they had made. But they were unrepentant and they were very uh, polytheistic and had all these idol worship and, and false gods and Yahweh, one by one, destroyed each one of them. Yahweh judged the nation of of Egypt. And he took out all his people from Egypt. He freed the Israelites. The false gods were destroyed and a nation set free. Let's continue on in Exodus uh, 12, verse 31. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship Yahweh as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds, as you have said, and go, and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. For otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. Yahweh had made the Egyptians favorably disposed to the people, and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. Isn't it amazing that not only did they leave with everybody, they left with the women, the children, the men, the animals. They also leave with the wealth of Egypt. 
At this point, they were so scared and so frightened and so uh, in awe of the power of Yahweh. All they wanted was to be rid of him. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Succoth at foot. There were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Many other people went up with them and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt, did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, to the very day, all Yahweh's divisions left Egypt because Yahweh kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor Yahweh for the generations to come. Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, these are the regulations for the Passover meal. No, no foreigner may eat it. Any slave you have bought may eat it after you have circumcised him. But a temporary resident or a hired worker may not eat it. It must be eaten inside the house. Take none of the meat outside the house. Do not break any of the bones. The whole community of Israel must celebrate it. A foreigner residing among you who wants to celebrate Yahweh's Passover must have all the males in his household circumcised. Then he may take part like one born in the land. No uncircumcised male may eat it. The same law applies both to the native born and to the foreigner residing among you. All the Israelites did just what Yahweh had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, Yahweh brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. You know, they had been there for 430 years. And... Uh, You remember the, the way it all started? They, they started with Joseph, right? And in that case, his brothers threw him in the, in the pit and sold him into slavery. And so Joseph ends up over in Egypt, and Joseph's story is this story of, of a guy who never stops believing. He's never unfaithful. He just stays faithful the entire time as he's in Egypt. And all the influences of Egypt are around him. None of it bothers him. None of it matters to him. He just keeps doing what he's doing. He just keeps being faithful. He is based in Yahweh's laws and commandments and his Torah. And what happens to him? Right? It's a great story. He goes from the pit, from prison to being the second highest guy in the kingdom and, you know, kind of starts this whole land of Goshen. Where 430 years later, there would be light over here in this one little part in the middle of the darkness. You know, we're at this moment, this time where we're, Feast of Unleavened Bread is special because it makes us actually stop and think about what we're doing, where we're at, the journey we're on, who's on it with us, who's coming. Are we going to leave some people behind or are we going to take everybody with us? 
But how do we get there? Yahweh is mighty to save, and he, he can deliver us from whatever metaphorical uh, slavery or Egypt we're in. Yahweh is powerful enough to take us out. He took out the whole nation of Israel out of idolatry, out of this false uh, worship, and separated them. And just a few few days later, 50 days from here, uh, we'll be back at Pentecost where Yahweh gave his Israelites, his people, the Torah, the laws, and the commandments. We need to make sure that as we walk through the journey that we are obedient to Yahweh's laws and commandments, that we are thoughtful and we are willing to obey and that we can humble ourselves before Yahweh, ask for repentance in the name of Yahshua so that we may be granted the opportunity for salvation uh, and forgiveness of our sins. Yahweh, Yahweh has provided for us a path uh, to get out of Exodus. To, or, I'm sorry, to get out of Egypt, to exit from Egypt. We all have a choice to make, and that, and that choice is life or death. So the, uh, the stakes are very high. I pray that you would make that uh, choice and... Uh, I pray Yahweh's peace upon you and everyone here in this feast. Um, may Yahweh bless you. Thank you.